Hello, hello. Welcome yet again to another edition of the Have You Seen podcast. I am your host, Mike Bibbins, as always. You can find me on Twitter at Bibbs Corner. You can find the show on Twitter at Have You Seen Pod. And today I'm joined by Jose Mata at Paradox Killer on Twitter. Uh, one of the hosts of 77 Spaces on Twitter. And today we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But before we do, Jose, how are you? Oh, man, shit. I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Uh, been, been ready, been anxious to do this. Uh, been trying to keep all my thoughts clear and make sure that I have everything in perspective. Try to make sure that we deliver a very good review because you said you got a lot of listeners. We can't let them down. <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to comic book movies, a lot of people want to hear every single thing touched on. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm trying to do all that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll try to hit everything that stood out for us at the bare minimum. Um, are you a big comic book person, would you say? Uh, I've read a couple of comic books, but like, at the end of the day, I'm more of a DC fan, and part of the reason for me uh, really just going to see this movie is because it's James Gunn's last movie at, with the MCU before he takes over the DCU, so uh, I was ready to see this. Also, Guardians was really a sleeper in terms of, like, becoming a, a favorite, like, movie. Yep. <laughs> so... Uh, just seeing this one, I, I was just ready to see how it was going to end. Uh, what about yourself? Have you always been a comic book fan or just like you you like it because of the quality of the movies or the heroes? So I wouldn't really claim to be a comic book fan. I think uh, I, I don't know if I've ever owned an actual comic book. I did steal like a comic encyclopedia <laughs> from the library when I was a kid. It was like a, a Marvel. It was a Marvel Comics encyclopedia, and I, I can't remember exactly which letters, but I know M and N were in there. It went at, at at least through P. So, like, I remember Puck was in one of the characters in there. I remember Moon Knight was in there. Uh, the Nova Corps. Like, I remember like different characters from that book. I stole. Of course, Spider Man was was the guy <laughs> as a kid. I had a Spider Man coloring book. Uh, but Batman, the animated series was my stuff as a kid. And then uh, uh, the X-Men uh, animated series, like those were the two. That was like my biggest, the biggest thing I dove into when it came to, to comics, really. Um, so would you say you're a big Marvel fan or are you a DC fan or you're just kind of like neutral? When it came to like committing to the uh, the, the movie side, I would say MCU because they actually had a vision. <laughs> and right right like they had a plan like they i, I, I could follow a storyline so i did dive into it i can't remember when it, i dove in specifically i think once i knew they were making an avengers movie me and my sister like went back and watched all the movies in chronological order and like we've kept in touch kept up with it it's kind of like our tradition now so like um i had you know she had to make sure her husband was uh working that or off that day because he works 24-hour shifts he's a firefighter so wow. she had to make sure, which see which day her husband was off. He was off Friday, so he had the baby, and like she, me and her went to uh, went to see the movie last night, uh, Friday night. 
but yeah, that's the kind of one way that we kind of keep keep in touch now, like with, with her having a whole family and everything. It's just a, right. a few months at least we know we'll we'll have something to do together. So uh, so both you and your sister grew up like just like like liking comic book characters. Not really. Like, I, I can't I don't remember why my sister got into it, to be honest, but I know uh, I, I feel like she might have been trying. It might have just been a thing to try to stay close to me. Um, to be honest, uh, she's not really yeah. a TV person, not really a movie person like that. Um, but like, I think that was around the time she had like gone off to college. So maybe she was feeling lonely when we did. We did like a binge during like a Christmas break or something like that. And then it's just like became our thing. So we kept up with it. It's crazy. Like looking back, uh, <laughs> I feel old as shit thinking about this. Right now, to be honest. Like this is. Uh, one of the things I was going to mention, this is the 32nd MCU movie. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 32nd <laughs> MCU movie, um, which is insane. And I do think they're going to start slowing down because they had started speeding up the timeline because people were getting tired of waiting. But now people are like overwhelmed by the amount of content. So I would hope that they start slowing it down just a little bit or maybe they're going to do it themselves like naturally. But it is crazy to think like 32 movies plus the TV shows, uh, which I've also been committed to. Like I've watched all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all the Netflix shows. Like I even watched some of the animated joints on Hulu. Like I'm all the way in on the MCU when it comes to that. Mm. Uh, But not I'm not about to debate nobody about it. It's just a matter of the MCU had a vision and all over the place. I couldn't keep up with what was happening. You got 12 Batman, six flashes. Like, I can't. (laughs) Who who is who? Like, what is happening? That's respectable. Uh, I figured I'd ask because, like, when I go into the movies, like, Marvel movies, because I do have some right now that I'm looking at, like, the Avengers Infinity War. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, But, like, for for me, it, it's always about the characters. It, it's always how are the characters presented in the movie. Like the Thor movies, to me, like beyond Ragnarok, are just trash. <laughs> I'll just say that. Like me personally, I yeah. I, I do not mess with Thor movies. Uh, but I say Marvel has been consistent and. I need DC to step their game up, and that's why I'm glad that they <laughs> they got James Gunn to to c- come over and hopefully ride the ship. But yeah, um, you know, be, so far uh, with the last couple of Marvel movies, and you know, we'll probably touch on this later. But how 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 have you felt? Who's Marvel podcast? has. Who? who oh, what the hell is that? My, my bad. <laughs> hey, you, you you know I'm a host too, bro. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you about to say, though? <laughs> what were you about to say? I, I was just gonna ask. Like, <laughs> I was just gonna ask. Like, after um, Endgame and an Infinity War, how how have you felt Marvel has fared, like to your liking? So I think I can't remember what the last review was um, that I did. I think I did it with Reese, but we were talking about how, you know, when we were building up to Infinity War and Endgame, like we knew what we were building up to. Uh, Only recently did we know what we were building up to with Kang. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when we get our first like real like, I mean, we saw Loki 
and he kind of established what what Kang was about. But not everybody saw that. So when you look at just the movies, like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, I understood what they were trying to accomplish. But I don't know if that message was fully received by uh, the regular people that just see the movies. Like if you don't see the shows, I don't think you got an appreciation for what Kang is by watching Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, The idea that I think it was just kind of like a one-off, like, you know, they'll do like a special issue comic and blah, blah, blah. Like he's going to run into one version of Kang and fight him. And it's not going to have any real implications on the world or anything because it happened in this microverse or what have you. Um, right. And then you, of course, get the, the, the stinger. And I hope this isn't spoiling anything for anybody, but you get the stinger with like the, the council of Kings or whatever, established like there are a lot of other versions of him but i feel like if you're just watching the movies and this is your first time seeing anything kang related you're going to be more confused by that than scared if right. you're loki now maybe you have an appreciation like this dude is dangerous but other than that i don't know if they've done a good job of establishing what the future looks like in the the movie since in game okay i, I like that something to fear <laughs> right right and with with Thanos, I, I feel like when you get him at the the end of Avengers, you're just like, oh shit, what's what's to come? Right. Uh, because they just show Thanos in uh, his face, if I could recall correctly, yeah, that he was like minute or something. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just like, oh shit, you know, I, I can't wait to see what comes. And then I can't remember what other movie it was, but then you see him actually getting the god and you're like damn man i'll do it myself yeah yeah like that's a classic that's a classic line (laughs) you gotta give you gotta give i'll do it myself yeah you gotta give (laughs) them and at this point i i don't think i feel like they've put more energy into setting up the future shows and -hmm. introducing these young characters for the young adventures and whatnot that they're probably going to do that I feel like the energy has been more there than on building a threat for the Avengers and then building an actual team. Cause like, who the fuck is on the team at this point? Like, <laughs> like they're breaking everybody up versus bringing anybody together right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking the Marvels may be our first chance to see some type of team building start to happen, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, All right. We are deep in <laughs> deeper. In, <laughs> at this point, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I'm going to uh, drop some names on, on this cast list. So Chris Pratt is back, Bradley Cooper as Rocket, Palm, Clementife as um, Mantis, Dave Bautista as Drax, Karen Gillian as, uh, damn, what's her name? Nebula, uh, Vin Diesel as Groot, Zoe Saldana as Gamora, uh, Chikwudi Iwuji shows up in this movie as the High Evolutionary, and you know a person is a good actor when you don't recognize them, but you recognize them at the same time. Because um, I watched all of Peacemaker, and I thought he was cool in Peacemaker. And I was like, dang, this dude looks familiar the entire movie. And I didn't realize till after I got home and like saw a post about like how he killed it in both universes. And I was like, damn, that is that dude. Um, so he that was the same for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Will Poulter. Uh, showed up as Adam Warlock. We already knew about that casting. Uh, Maria Bakalova played uh, the voice of Cosmo. I actually was supposed to interview her a couple months ago, but it fell through. I definitely was going to ask about this role 
another voice I did not recognize, Linda Cardellini, was Lila. Don't know if you caught that. Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> Elizabeth Debicki was Aisha, which I don't know how. I guess the hair probably is why I didn't recognize her. But uh, that was Adam Warlock's the, the woman he kept calling mom. Oh, okay. Uh, of course, Sylvester Stallone was in this film. Nathan Fillion had some fun lines. Uh, written and directed by James Gunn. And as you mentioned earlier, it is his last MCU entry. Uh, he took the Guardians of the Galaxy, a misfit band of characters nobody fucking knew, and made them household names. Uh, he is going to be taking over the DCU. He is going to, I haven't, I, I avoided hearing anything about his plan, but I've, from my understanding, he has an actual plan. And mm-hmm. I trust him. <laughs> I, I, I trust <laughs> him. So, anybody I mentioned, anything I mentioned so far that you wanted to jump in and, and add a, another comment on, or? Uh, well, I, I'm trying to re- reserve like who I thought killed it okay. for right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I just wanted to say like, um, damn, I. I I want to talk a bit about James Gunn, but just see yeah, I was that about to get is. into the details. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Go ahead, man. So, I, I don't want to take up. Uh, James Gunn was temporarily fired from this project uh, over some old tweets, tweets that Marvel apparently had known about prior to hiring him in the first place, but they overreacted to them resurfacing due to the climate of. Uh, the time where everybody is going to be under a microscope and you need good PR to be prepared for these types of situations hit my line. Um, it was, it was a weird situation for Marvel and it's funny because obviously now they have a new situation that they're handling completely differently because they fired James Gunn expeditiously. And now you got Jonathan Majors out here potentially being abusive all over the place. And they have not said a word, as far as I'm aware, at this point about the future of Jonathan Majors in the MCU. Um, They did bring him back. Dave Bautista was very outspoken on his behalf, saying he was a great guy. James Gunn issued a good apology, stating that he is not the person that he was at the time of those tweets. He's aware of them. He's embarrassed by them. And that, you know, they were basically shock value tweets and that they were from the era where that was what Twitter was. Like I had some some questionable shit out there. I'm not going to lie from the early, early Twitter days because it was the wild, wild west back then. Um, But they end up bringing them back and. You know, this is this is the result. I was wondering if there would be any like jokes or nods to the situation, like mentioned in there, or if he would like do something weird. I did feel like he went all out with this film as far as like the prosthetics and whatnot, the characters he brought in, the weirdness of it all. I want to mention something real quick and then I'm gonna pass it to you. Uh, this movie set the record for the most makeup applications in a single film with more than twenty three thousand prosthetics used on more than a thousand actors (laughs) he said i want all the budget (laughs) uh any any thoughts on any of that that you want to touch on so um just 
I, I don't want to make this too much about DC, but uh, I feel like since James Gunn uh, was temporarily fired and he got his chance to be, uh, you know, out on the streets a little bit, he he got some interest from DC and I feel like they called him at the perfect time and he felt like they called him at the perfect time to take over the reins and um, seeing that this is his last project do you feel like he do you feel like he just swung for it all like since he knew it was the end since he knew he was going to take over in a different universe, do you feel like he delivered on the things that you wanted to see since this is his goodbye? I thought he would do more crazy things. I feel like there were clear signs that he was going all out. Like uh, another thing that happened in this movie is we get the first F-bomb in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like things that he probably had on his like bucket list, happen like i'm sure he introduced characters that he always wanted to introduce i know that uh adam warlock was supposed to be in guardians 2 uh and we knew he was going to be in this one uh but he thought he had too many characters in guardians 2 so he cut him out of that one but then he put like a thousand characters in, in this movie <laughs> um, yeah i think that uh i think that there were some signs that he got went all out with this and like he knows he's not going to be able to touch some of these MCU characters probably in the future. So yeah, I do think he kind of, he kind of dug his teeth in uh, and did as much as he could in this one. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think it was a fitting farewell. Um, and I, I feel like it was a fitting farewell in a lot of ways. Uh, I was trying to like, it just sparked a thought in my mind that um, at the end, and we'll get to it, I guess, when we get to spoilers at the end, there's a moment where I, characters like talk about their future plans and uh i thought there would be a little bit more of a heavy-handed message there about the future plans but he did keep it about the character so uh yeah i didn't feel like he he did i don't he didn't he could have been petty he could have been real petty but i didn't see any pettiness in the film you know um i've always wanted marvel to be somewhat a little bit more violent and in this movie, we we get a like we damn near get rated R version of Marvel characters, and uh, th there's been a lot of debate on whether the superhero genre is saturated because we got the boys on uh, Amazon Prime, then we have you know the Marvel universe, then we have DC, and then you know Hulu's probably has their own little section as well. But it's like uh what are we tolerating here or there and how much is too much? Because the boys is just a whole different story from the MCU. Like, and some people are even complaining that's a little bit too much, but I'm like, well, at some point you either like <laughs> these characters for who they are or you don't. So I felt like this being perfectly in the middle of comedy, darkness, and just everything else underneath the sun I, I felt like this was <laughs> a perfect balance yeah um and I, and that's the thing like this is something else that came up during one of our conversations recently about the mcu um i feel like they've gotten to a point with all their properties where they i believe may be accepting the fact that 
every character can't be or every property can't be for everybody. Like there's going to be some properties that cater to a specific audience. Um, like Miss Marvel might be like teenage girls. Teenagers may enjoy Miss Marvel more than, you know, the 40 year old bro that's been collecting comics his entire life. Like, you know, it doesn't have to, everything doesn't have to be for everybody. Like each property can have its own niche market and then you bring it all together in one of those big things. And it's like, you know, during the first iteration, I hated Iron Man, but I love uh, Captain America. So Mm -hmm. like, I'm still going to watch Iron Man, but I don't enjoy him as a character. I enjoy Captain America's story or whatever. And that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be every movie has to follow this particular formula. No, each character can have their own formula for their stuff. And as long as you deliver on the things that that character needs to deliver on, that should be what the movies are about. And I do think the Guardians of the Galaxy movies have all been uh, crazy, like weird. Mm-hmm. Characters are weird. Things that they get into are weird. The, the, they're a, a ragtag group of misfits. And there's going to be some emotional stuff that comes up in every single movie, like high, heavy themes. Uh, you know, the last movie, there was some heavy dad stuff going on that the people said kind of hit home. Uh, the first movie they were talking about, like, I remember like whole, whole dialogues about Drax being great representation for autistic kids and stuff like that. Like it was it's it's good storytelling. And that's why, again, I, I love James Gunn. and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with the DCU, because I think he understands uh, how to tell a story, how to, why people connect with characters. And uh, hopefully he allows people to tell stories that are specific to each character versus trying to tell one story in overall. One quick question uh, before we move on from uh, James Gunn is you seen Slither before Uh, Slither. uh, I think is one of like his first movies that he, not at all. Uh, well, that that movie's basically like based on like this uh, asteroid, uh, I believe, hitting Earth, and it's like this little warm like thing comes out of it, and it goes and it infects a person. Then it starts trying to build its own colony and stuff like that, taking sounds over. Like, the- um, sounds like uh, what was it called? The uh, I was just thinking about this movie the other day too. Damn, uh, what's the movie with Usher? And like the kids in the high school, and like the thing gets in them. Oh, it's pissed me off. Oh man, I'm, <laughs> I'm sick. What's it called? Oh man, the faculty. I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> you haven't seen the faculty? I thought everybody saw the faculty. The faculty when you said like, Usher, I was like, hold on, Usher been in a movie before. You've never seen a movie. It was a ni- 1998. Fuck. I'm old as shit. And I think Slither came out in 2006. Yeah. But it was this kind of a similar idea of like some type of little alien thing. And like mm-hmm. it would go inside the person and like take over their brain. But like you would still think it was the person until you realize they acted kind of weird. Yeah. Like pass it to the next person. It, it, it sounds damn near similar. Yeah, but the the reason why I brought that up is because like you see James Gunn has a type, you know, <laughs> dealing with with outer space. So because he gets to be weird, he gets to yeah. you know just bring 
his type of art to the big stage and i i could appreciate that yeah let me let me name some of these people in this movie uh let's see josh hartnett this was back when he was about to be the next big thing um salma hayek is in it mm. uh famke jensen i can't think of where you would know her from oh she played gene gray in the x-men movies oh okay um who else is in here Usher, I told you, John Stewart is in it. Uh, Elijah Wood was in it. Uh, just a lot of Danny Masterson was in it. A lot of and these people were like super young. This is crazy. Dwayne Martin, yeah, it was. It's a it's a good movie. Like it's a. I might need to put it on my. I have a list. I have different lists of like movies that I want to do watch with people. So obviously, new movies is going to be continuous. I have the IMDb top 100 movies I have to go back and watch, most of which I haven't seen. And then the new tab I created is Bibbs Classics. I'm definitely putting the faculty on there right now. Like I got to rewatch that. Like, these are movies that I like loved as a as a youth coming up in the game, um, and shaped me as a movie viewer, if you will. And while I'm here, when we get done I'll, I'll see if it's on any streaming platform i'll give it a try since i ain't never seen it <laughs> i could tell you right now if it's on the streaming platform and then i'm gonna get all it it's on hbo max and you oh shit bad bad yes yeah, might watch it later tonight <laughs> there you go it's it's i don't know if it holds up to the test of time but it was a it's a fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> right um but yeah, speaking of James Gunn, uh, Chukwudu Iwuji uh, plays the villain, the high, the high evolutionary, and he also was in James Gunn's uh, Peacemaker. Uh, James Gunn loves to recycle actors. Uh, he also is a big fan of nepotism, uh, making his brother a key character, and also putting his wife in this movie. Um, but fun fact of DC and Marvel working together here. Uh, DC let Chukwudu Iwuji do his screen test for the role of the High Evolutionary on the Peacemaker set, and then Marvel returned the favor by letting James Gunn uh, shoot the season finale, the Justice League scene, on the MCU set. Oh, shit. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I appreciate this tidbit. <laughs> uh, a couple more tidbits. This is the third MCU trilogy with the same director. Uh, do you know who the other two are? But the same director did all three movies. Okay. Uh let me see. Damn. The the Russos, because they did uh inf- the, you gotta think not the with one character, not not that they oh, okay, movies, one one character. One character. I know they did two uh Captain Americas, but the other one they did with the Avengers movie. My mind is drawing a blank. <laughs> Spider-Man and Ant-Man had the same. Say <laughs> directly for all three movies. Okay, Sammy and um, who who's the Ant Man director? Sorry, uh, Peyton Reed. I'm fucking that up. I think <laughs> go back. I want to say it was Peyton. Now, now I'm confusing myself. Uh, I had it, and then 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 I got thrown off somehow. I can't. I can't type. Yeah, Peyton Reed. There we go. And who did you say was a uh, Spider Man? What wasn't it? Uh, Sammy Raimi. I, I think Sammy Raimi. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, John Watts. Oh, damn. That was uh, MCU, third MCU. Oh, okay. Well, I just threw it in there because it's Marvel. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, two last things. First one, Gun based the high evolutionary character and counter-Earth on H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, and Gun and Iwuji decided together to make the high evolutionary as horrible a character as possible by giving them, giving him the traits of the worst figures in history, uh, single-mindedness, narcissism, and zealotry. And I would say they did the damn thing. Uh, they let's, did. Talk about, <laughs> let's talk about this high evolutionary because I'm seeing a lot of talk about him being the greatest villain in MCU history. I think it's- Are we in a spoiled- territory not yet not yet okay broadly say how how are you i feel like there's a lot of prisoner at a moment this happening Mm -hmm. i thought he was great but i did not walk out of that movie saying yo this is better than thanos like that's that didn't cross my mind i i will have to agree Uh, i would say thanos loki uh killmonger and then i I would say probably right there top top five <laughs> yeah namora was good as well um even though i don't know if you can call him a villain he was the threat in this movie in that mm. movie so I, I would say he had to be considered a villain um yeah there's been some good villains i thought hella was pretty good um but i will give i will say excuse me one of the things that marvel has had problems with is making a one movie villain feel like a real threat i i made he made right. this feel like a real threat i will definitely say that he belongs in the discussion as great villains i will say that at a bare minimum mm-hmm. yeah because there there's scenes in here where he it, whether you know what's going to happen or you you build the anticipation to know what's going to happen you don't and yeah he just delivers like it, just the way he kind of oversells and and just when you think of like what he's doing on screen and knowing that he's talking to a cgi characters like bro you're you're delivering like this like wow so he he definitely went off right um all right I hate that I keep doing this deep into the podcast. The quick synopsis of this movie is uh, still reeling from the loss of Gamora. Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians, if not successful. Um, Yeah, I would say you you feel the weight of that Uh, at multiple Mm -hmm. points. It becomes uh, is everybody going to make it out of this movie situation? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, one of the problems Marvel has is that it never feels like anybody's in danger. It felt like people were in danger in this movie. Right. Uh, that, that That's something that uh, I kind of have gripes with just certain heroes. And I'm trying not to make this too much DC in here because it is a Marvel uh, <laughs> review. But like Superman... When I think of Superman, I don't really think there's anybody really that that's on his level. So Superman as a character, to me, just doesn't necessarily get the job done as to like being one of my favorite characters. Because you don't really feel a sense of, of threat. You don't you don't think he, he's at risk. But 
with with this movie uh whether it's just looking to to see who's out there in the universe i mean even the the ravagers they're like you still feel a little bit threatened by them because you don't know what they're gonna do they're unpredictable right so just overall uh with the villain in this movie uh just bravo uh, that single single game that's a single game changer right there that's an x factor yeah and even like before we really understand the high evolutionary adam warlock shows up and starts fucking shit up like yes immediately <laughs> i was like oh snap like what is what is happening right now because i was not ready for that at all um, do you know? Did you know much about Adam Warlock coming in? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Adam was was briefly talked about in the second film, like like right. you said, and it was just like, all right, well, I can't wait to meet him, and then we get him in this movie. So, like, yeah, I, I didn't know anything. Did you know anything beforehand? Not really. I knew he's supposed to be the perfect man or whatever. He's like designed to be the perfect man. I don't know anything about the character. And the reason I asked you if you did is because I don't know. They felt like they made him goofier than I expected him to be. Like I expected him to be more like Thor in the first movie, like mm-hmm. super powerful, but dumb, like, like not necessarily dumb, but like not really having much personality. It right. felt like they kind of made him extra goofy in this movie. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you because I felt a little underwhelmed by by Adam Warlock just altogether. I know in the movie they they kept referring to him like he was just basically born yesterday. So like you you can't really expect too much, but it's just like ah, I think you should have grown that character a little bit more. Like he still works for what they do in this movie, but I overall somebody who is looking forward to being introduced to a new character, I felt underwhelmed. Yeah. And they definitely like when I, when I heard he was coming to the movie, I thought they were going to set him up to where he could potentially be not necessarily a character to stand on his own, but like a character that could like be a number two, at least in a movie, but like coming out of this, I, I don't feel like we got enough. Um, I almost was like, damn, like y'all wasted Will Poulter on, a character that didn't really he has like a I think he has like one or two memorable moments that like make you want to maybe see him again but mm-hmm. I don't know if he has like a moment it's like damn this is a badass character that I want to see like carry a movie and which I right. from him. yeah because his performance in Shameless and if I can recall correctly he was in the Gotham uh, series as well and he killed it as, as Joker uh so it just i i just feel disappointed <laughs> i keep saying over underwhelmed and i don't want to say that too much but yeah it, it was kind of a waste yeah that's my boy from uh the maze runner and we're the millers so uh i i definitely thought he was gonna have a bigger role and then when i realized that uh the lady that played his mother was elizabeth debicki who is uh she's been in some stuff let me get I think she was in um, uh, what was the movie with Viola Davis, Widows, um, and she was in Tenet. Uh, her the reason she kind of stands out is because she uh, 
she's tall as hell. Like she's six <laughs> two. Wow. And, uh, she talked about in an interview how you know a lot of these actors are short, like the men, mm-hmm. and right. They will like they'll like tell her like you know do you we need you to play shorter like we need like him to have some lifts we need to like shoot it so that you're shorter than him and she was like nah I'm six two and I'm gonna be six two, mm-hmm. um and so I was curious I like went and checked and confirmed Will Poulter six three so I was like okay I, I cool because like <laughs> um that's always something I look for with her because it kind of limits the role she could take like they're not gonna put her next to Brad Pitt I mean not Brad mm-hmm. Pitt uh, what's his name. Um, Tom Cruise. They're not gonna put her next to him or next to Tom Cruise. I'm like that. Uh, but she she's standing on. You know, like y'all not about to make me try to look shorter because some men are insecure about being next. It, woman. That's funny because there there's one scene where she's having a conversation with with the higher evolutionary, and he's literally picking up a little box or something steps on it and then you just get the the zoom out and you see her she's wearing heels and i was like how tall is this woman <laughs> i didn't I did, I did not notice that at all um bro that shit had me dead <laughs> he, <laughs> he literally got some little box or something he just put it there and he, he takes his time to stand on it and then he stands up straight and then he gets eye to eye with her and starts talking. <laughs> that that is actually funny. I'm mad I missed that. I don't know what I was doing. But yeah, she's six two. So um uh, and it's one of those things where like I wish I had known that was her going in because I would have paid attention to stuff like that. Um right. but again that's a that's a legit actress that like people I, I personally I check for uh especially her role in tenant I thought was really great I thought it would lead to more uh bigger roles for her um I hope she gets some bigger roles because I think she's good in everything I've seen her in she was weird in this one again I feel like they kind of wasted those characters but um who knows maybe that was James Gunn's kind of fuck you like I'm not gonna let you establish this new character right it because well at the very end like like it, it leads it all up to like the ball is in your court marvel you you got it now i did my job <laughs> yeah yeah um it's time to get into these spoilers have you seen listeners if you are a movie fan which i would imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast and your local theater is a cinemark let me tell you about cinemark rewards cinemark has two different levels of cinemark rewards the first being the cinemark movie fan which is a free level you sign up for cinemark movie fan you'll earn one point for every dollar you spend at the cinemark theaters You can redeem those points for tickets and other rewards. You'll receive member access to screenings and advanced tickets. You'll get an extra discount on Tuesday and other exclusive member offers. Now, if you're a bigger movie fan and you're willing to put some cash up, the Cinemark Movie Club is $9.99 per month. You'll get all of the above. Plus, you'll get one free ticket every month. Again, if you're going to the movies at least once a month, this is already paying for itself. One free ticket every month. 
20% off all concessions. And if you upgrade to platinum, it'll be 25%. You get to platinum status by attending movies, by the way. But that's neither here nor there right now. You're just signing up. You won't be eligible right away, but eventually you could get up to platinum status and get 25% off. You also have online fees waived. And that doesn't just apply to tickets. You can order your concessions online as well and pick them up once you go to the theater. Any unused ticket credits roll over to the next month. That means if you you don't use your one ticket that month, it rolls over to the next month and so on and so forth. So if you're worried, ah, what if I miss a month, then it's not paying for itself, Mike. Well, if you miss a month, it rolls over. You can watch two the next month if you like. Now, you'll also get member pricing for additional tickets you buy, and that is important. For more information, you can hit the link in the show notes. Uh, That'll give you the more details and you can sign up today. All right, we're back. Um, It's abrupt because I felt like we were getting to a point that we were about to start having to talk about real stuff here in a second. Uh, So if you're still here, about to get into details about the movie. If you don't want to hear details about the movie, maybe you're washing your hands. You need to dry them off real quick so you can pause it and not hear no spoilers. That's why I'm wasting time right now. Uh, you also had the ad right before this where you had could have could have backed out. So if I if I drop this spoiler right now and you hear it and you're mad, that's on you. So this movie basically is a rocket movie for the most part. Um, we know that he's been very secretive about his backstory. We know it was very troubling. And in this movie, we we get the backstory. How did you feel? And I, I know you said you're not a comic person, so I'm not going to ask you, did you know? I'm assuming you didn't. So how do you feel <laughs> about the, the presentation of Rocket's backstory in this movie? Okay, so I, I don't. So I appreciate you not asking. <laughs> uh, but they set a tone. With, with just the intro itself like when you get the the credits of, of like the marvel you know the whole little comic uh collage that they have going into the movie and whatever song that they had played to build up that that little just collage it it made you feel tense it brought the tension so i was just like oh shit this is gonna be a heavy movie so <laughs> So just by that alone, I, I was just expecting something heavy, and yet I still couldn't be as prepared as what was going to be shown. And just seeing like Rocket being introduced with just the the baby raccoons and everything, and you're like, oh, this shit is so damn cute. Then next thing you know, you hear somebody walking forward, and then you just see a hand, and all Rocket does is just kind of stand frozen there and you see it getting closer and honestly uh i started to kind of get really emotional just oh, by seeing that because like you said in, in the previous movies they didn't really tell you much but you've seen like the scars in the first guardians movie where they get captured in that prison you just see the scars you see some of the mechanics hanging out and i'm just like man what what happened and then second movie i can't really recall if they brought anything more to to kind of touch on rocket or allude to rocket's past but seeing just 
those sequences, and I, I felt like like tearing up in the movie theater. What about you? How, how did you feel just right at the beginning? Yeah, there's a lot of um, emotional stuff. So I usually ask about expectations coming into the movie. I felt like we kind of touched on that earlier, but um, I feel like yeah, that beginning sequence, that opening sequence, did kind of set the tone for what we were going to get. Like, uh, just reading the tweets, people were talking about, you know, oh, this is going to be an emotional movie. I try to avoid spoilers, but, you know, you see stuff like that. This is going to be an emotional movie. I was seeing people, like, predicting Rocket's going to die in this movie and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to see that. Like, I'm not trying to do that. But it did kind of halfway prepare me to deal with that a little bit. but yeah, it did kind of help help me prepare for that a little bit. But I would be lying if I said that there was nothing in this movie that started to get to me. And it wasn't just the rocket stuff. Uh, some of the Drax stuff got to me. Uh, some of the uh, Mantis moments. Like there were a lot of different points in the movie where it's like, whether it's thinking about the the past that these characters have had together, the history, um, mm-hmm. or the fact that this might be it. Like it all kind of came together and knowing what Rocket had been through and how how you've seen him over the past few movies. And now you understand why he's the way he is, basically, Uh, when you see like young Rocket, like when he first learns how to talk and he meets, you know, his friends uh, that were they they were going to spend eternity together. And then like that, the dramatic scene when we see him thinking that he's about to get everybody out and then they were gone. Right. He's been on the run since. It's like, damn, like, okay, so this is what he dealt with before Guardians 1. Well, he's just kind of existing out there. Mm-hmm. And, like, every time the rocket scenes came up, like, I, I was kind of, like, sitting up or, like, engaging a little bit more in the scenes and, you know, when he comes back, I think he he just I don't know how old he is, but he's still fairly young. But he comes back into the cage with with his head shaved, and you just see the stitching around it. And and then like his first muttered word was hurt, and <laughs> like man, <laughs> just just that, bro. Because like I have a dog, and like <laughs> like just knowing that I have a pet at home and I'm just like, man, I can't wait to get back home to, to love, love my, my, my dog. Uh, and then like Layla gets the scarf and starts to lick it a little bit just so she could wipe the blood on his head. And I was just like, man, this, (laughs) (laughs) and then, uh, I can't remember, but like, um, Rocket is figuring out like or figures out what the high evolutionary is doing to the other animals and he puts one of them he's like why can't I get this right and he sees the animal get incinerated right in front of him he's just like I can't imagine how Rocket would feel seeing that happen because he's thinking this this dude is is all right you know he feels like the high evolutionary is doing right by him, but you see how he's handling the people who even works with him. You see him um, how he's doing these these animals, and uh, 
you you mentioned Layla, uh, Teeth, and even um, I'm trying to remember the last yeah. one though. Floor, floor, yeah. When when they were shot, it was just like it wasn't necessary to show their dead bodies. Like <laughs> it, it was because they got to make you feel that. <laughs> They can't have them go off screen up, but it was rough. I was like, how they gonna do how they gonna show these animals get killed? Cause like you mentioned the other one got incinerated, but we didn't really see it. But then yeah. when you hear the gunshot and you see Layla kind of stiffen up, I was like, I know, I know he just shoot this girl in the back. And that was that, that whole like face go blank. I was like, damn, like that's how we do it. That whole time too, like when when Rocket was like so encouraged to get them out, I was building myself up mentally for the fact that something is going to happen here. And the whole time when when Rocket was able to swipe the car, get himself out, and then he turned his back, I'm just like, I'm over here just waiting for it to happen. I'm waiting for something. I thought he wasn't gonna be able to open the cage. Exactly. I, I I was just like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Then next thing you know, Layla comes out and they're talking. I'm just like, all right, bro, something is about to happen. And when that shot went off, I was in a Dolby uh, theater screening. And when that shot went off, my ass jumped a little. It was loud. Like, it was loud. Yeah. I was in IMAX. <laughs> I jumped. And then I was just like, oh, shit. Like, like bro, yeah, that that's so fucking sad, man. <laughs> uh we, we 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 can't get past you know just them laying all on the floor having their little montage of happy moments together getting to know each other and then like the reason why they started calling each other by by names is because they all thought they were about to get into the um world that the higher evolutionary w- was speaking of and when they were just looking at the ceiling and it, it's all beautiful how Rocket ends up coming up with his name because his name was self-serving to his friends. It, he he named himself just on the idea of what he was going to do with them when they finally get out. Yeah. That was beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting you get the backstory this late in the game and it still has the effect and you can kind of like if you rewatch the older movies, you can appreciate the stuff that he's going through in the earlier movies by learning this story. Now, uh, I think part of me knew that something must have happened, but then also hope, hey, maybe they got out and like maybe they just haven't hung out together in a while. And maybe after this movie, they're going to like link up. And I was like, mm, nope. After <laughs> after a little while, I, was like, I don't think they getting up out of here. But it also helps to serve to establish why the high evolutionary is a piece of shit. And like watching him incinerate all these creatures lets you know why he's a piece of shit. And that's important for these these movies. And I I wish Marvel understood that more often. Like Gore, the God Butcher in um, Thor Love and Thunder, you could tell Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of to work with there. And I just feel like they didn't. Taika Waititi, the way he edited the film just did not give us enough of that that's why i've been asking for the gore cut because i'm told that they did film more it just got taken out of the movie um and that movie struggles with tone because of it there's way too much funny not enough gore god but right and <laughs> <laughs> right and uh 
Well, the last thing I want to say about Rocket, uh, when they finally re- retrieve like some of the the, the chip mm-hmm. on old boy's head, and they see like they're seeing everything that happened. No, no, it wasn't the chip; it was the little file, right. and they they had the a hologram playing and you could just hear a rocket squealing and, and like the, the doctors are telling him don't move grab him grab him yeah. and and you can see peter uh mantis and all of them just start crying it's like why would anybody do that like and even nebula man. was like this is worse than what you know thanos did to me and she talks about how he like took pieces of her body off and replaced it with machinery for fun. But even she's like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, we didn't have to see it, but you can just tell that it was it was bad. And the whole point of the movie being that not only did he change his body, but he put something inside him to where if anybody else went to mess with it, he would die like it would have killed him it would destroy him because he didn't want anybody to have his intellectual property if you will he was like nobody's gonna cut him open and get this brain i'm gonna get the brain because i need it to to do what i need to do so kind of like a kill switch like if if you had some information like if i had something on my laptop and somebody else opened it without the password and i like wiped everything that's pretty much what this was so i thought that was a smart touch and it made for the drama of the movie. It's funny that Rocket's like incapacitated for most of the movie, but he is the heart and soul of the movie at the same time. That's just great, great writing. Yeah. Like, um, he, even at the end, uh, there, there's a scene, I think it was Layla or it was, uh, I can't remember who specifically said it, but they said like, like the whole story's been about you rocket it's lila and- so he's dying and they like yeah. like just got the chip and he's about to go to the great beyond or whatever lila comes out and he's like i'm ready to go and you know i'm gonna be with my friends and we're gonna go see the sky and she was like yeah we are and then she's like but not right now he was like what and she was like you know you haven't seen it yet but the whole time the story's been about you like basically right. saying the story of the guardians has been about mm-hmm. you uh the entire time and that made me look back at guardians one and two and i was just like wait has this been about rocket the whole time because it's like like <laughs> wow because we get introduced to peter like when he's dancing and everything and gonna steal the the orb and it's just like wait has this entire time been about rocket now i gotta go back and watch Guardians one and two just to see if that that stays true, uh, because like, for, like like you said, uh, it, it's rare that we get into a trilogy and don't know everything that we need to know about these characters, and especially since Rocket has had the story that hasn't been told in so long, it's like wow, he could potentially be. <laughs> the main uh character because uh not a lot of people like peter quill just to be honest like <laughs> i mean I, I know some kids like him like they get they can relate to him in that in that way but he's not f- that fun really he's kind of right like, he's kind of the straight man of the group like everybody makes fun of him and everybody else seems more interesting right and uh 
do you feel like by the end of this movie you like Peter Quill a little bit more? I I've never been really a Star Lord fan. I I'm fine like he's cool or whatever, but like I don't mm-hmm. hate him, but I don't really like him either um necessarily. I I did appreciate that they did at least try to resolve piece of his story, uh but we'll get to that later. Uh, I did want to talk about the Gamora stuff cuz I think it ties into the rack rocket stuff. Now, if you're a movie fan, you know, what do what do people say a date is dinner in a movie, right? Well, restaurant.com has you covered on the dinner side. Now, right now they're offering different levels of packages. So, you can spend $10 and get a $25 gift certificate to a restaurant near you. That's right. Spend $10 and get a $25 gift certificate. I know, that doesn't sound right, right? Well, let me break it down for you. If you go to restaurant.com, or click the link, I should say, in the show notes to go to the restaurant.com page, when you get to their page, you put in your zip code, or if you're traveling, put in the zip code of the location that you're visiting. A list of restaurants in or near that zip code will show up. You pick the restaurant you're interested in and a list of options will come up for that restaurant. So it may not be the 10 for 25, maybe it's a 5 for 15 uh, offer, but regardless, you're going to get money off on your meal. Uh, Most restaurants will have a minimum purchase amount for your meal to apply, but that's why I asked if you like to eat here. For example, there's a barbecue spot near me that this deal works for. I can get the $25 certificate for $10, and the total purchase at the restaurant has to be $50. All in all, I'm paying $35 for a $50 meal, and that sounds good to me. But there is more. If you're flying solo and you don't think that you can can buy $50 worth of food, there are lower options. There's one that says pay $6 for $15 off, or $4 for $10 off. It all just depends on the restaurants. So again, if this sounds interesting, just hit the restaurant.com link in the show notes for more information. Again, you'll go there, put in your zip code, and check out the restaurants near you where these discounts apply. And for your boy Bibbs purposes, it is important that you go to the link in the show notes or the link at bibbscorner.com on the support the show tab. In this movie, coming into this movie, we know that the Gamora that we had in the first couple of movies is dead. Thanos killed her. Uh, but in the when they did what they had to do, a, the other Gamora, the young Gamora, before she met Star-Lord and them, came out of the portal. So she's still here on this current version of Earth, but she does not remember anything about running with the Guardians and all that. Um, and Peter's goofy-ass has not accepted this at all he's trying to tell her like yo we had this thing girl you don't understand <laughs> trying to get he's trying to get that green thing back and she's yeah. like i don't know you my dude like you need to relax um and even nebula's like dog i didn't told you this is not that gamora like he and i have a relationship because we grew up together 
but right. she does not know who you are. I'm gonna need you to move on, player. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it was one of those things where when it when he's still doing it at the beginning, I was like, I, I can't do this. Like this is annoying. Like he should understand that he's not gonna get her back. But then they made it work. They made it work because mm-hmm. she was forced to hang out with them. Yeah, and she was she hung out on the ship. She saw like how hard they were going and the amount of risk they were taking to try to save this pet, she says in the early <laughs> on. Um, it's like, damn, this must be a really, really good pet. Um, but they see she sees how hard they're going for him. Then she sees, like you said, the hologram of what was done to him. And she's like, God damn, like these, I, I can see why these people kind of latch on to each other. They all have these tragic stories, like Peter being stolen from his home as a kid, like after his mom died. Drax, his family's been killed. She knows what happened in Nebula. Um, what's her name? Mantis has, you know, she was hanging out with Ego on his planet being used for whatever amount of time. And she's like, oh, she starts to understand the group. And by mm-hmm. understanding the group, she starts to understand Peter. So you can see, you know, it may not be what it was, uh, right. but she can at least see why she would have potentially like latched onto this group. Um, mm-hmm. another life like if she had had the experiences that this other woman have had so that was cool to see for me over the course of the movie I'm glad they didn't like fully like have her like jump on them or whatever like oh I see it now but she at least like acknowledged she was like you know I think I'm sure we were fun or something like that yeah so uh, for me there, there were some parts where I felt like there was some overacting uh, by, by Zoe just because I was like, like, bro, you ain't gotta like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, I understand that that she's trying to get the point across to Peter that she's not the same person, but I felt like uh, a little bit, a little bit of it was over the top. Like, all right, <laughs> let, let's let's go ahead, calm down a little bit. You you ain't gotta be like this. I think it's funny because <clears throat> if you go back to the original Gamora, she was like that in the beginning. Like she had to be forced to be part of their little group. And she only stuck with their group because she was at on this mission to get what, like they were all on a mission to get this thing for themselves. And they mm-hmm. ended up becoming friends over the course of the journey. Um, and but, since you mentioned that, even, like, Nebula, like, even Nebula still mean now, but she just, right, right. Trying. But like they Nebula and Gamora were both assholes in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And wh- like when I was watching this, I was trying to recall part one because I was like, was was she like this when we introduced it? Because I remember the the scene of Gamora and Peter finally meeting and like they're fighting with each other. But I'm trying to see like specifically was was it all this <laughs> tap anger like like being presented on screen, like was that the Gamora I remember being introduced with the first time? Yeah. I don't think it was as hard as it is now. I think she's as hard as she is now for two reasons. One, he's been doing this for a while and she's mm-hmm. annoyed by it. Right. It makes her feel like she's not, probably makes her feel like, you know, I'm not supposed to be here basically. Uh, right. like you're, you're bringing up this other version of me and that's weird as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. imagine some chick, like, coming up to you, like, once a week, like, man, Jose, you like, I met 
I met you before. Like, you don't remember me? You're like, no, bitch, <laughs> get out my face. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, she also has, she's running with the Ravagers. Like, you got to be, you got to be a hard, hard SOB to run with the Ravagers. So she's got that. And he's doing it in front of them. And so, like, you know, you, you in front of my boys, like, I'm going to need you to relax, player. Like, right, right, right. Back. So I think it's just a combination of those two things of like, I don't know you. Leave me the hell alone. And I'm the leader of this this rough group of dudes. Like, I can't be out here having you lusting over me like this. Like, I'm a piece of tail. Like, we get out my face. Right. <laughs> okay, I, I see that. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because that, that's just how I felt watching yeah. the movie. Yeah. No, I, I, I felt it too. And then I, that's why I had to think about why she would be so pissed and annoyed. Um, but I do think that's part of it. And then again, she was Thanos' daughter. Like, that, right. that's what she was raised to do. Um, what else do we have? We mentioned kind of, we, we already touched on Adam Warlock. Let me cross that off. Uh, is there anybody in particular that you want to talk about? Or should we get into like moments? Uh, well, Drax. Uh, yeah. so, so, yeah, I hope this is the appropriate time to ask, but I, I would say first with Drax overall, uh, every time he was on screen, I felt like it was impactful. Uh, whether it was for comedy relief, whether it was for action, I felt like Drax stole the scene in, in everything that he was in. And to see Batista, at least, well, Batista and James Gunn be able to present Drax in this way, even like the the ending where he's now seen as a, a father figure as just right. beyond you know the stupid like muscular guy he he's actually shown in a and presented in a different light of being somebody's father because where when we are introduced into Drax he just lost his family so we never got to meet the fatherly figure and I, I just want to give big props up to to Dave Bautista because man th this performance was great yeah Drax a lot of kids um they have the the great scene on the 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 ship where the kids are speaking this weird language and Nebula's yelling at them and you know Drax is like you're scaring them like relax um and then all of a sudden he just pops out and starts speaking the language he was like you weren't gonna <laughs> tell me you knew the language the whole time he was like you didn't ask um, yeah, he does the robot too. <laughs> yeah, what did he call it though? He called it something else. I can't remember. He it, else it was like that is oh, he was doing a um, was it a duck impression? And then he, oh, a monkey, monkey. No, he was doing that, yeah. He was said he was doing a monkey, but he was quacking and like doing. Yeah. I was like, what, what kind of monkey is that? <laughs> like, what is happening? Um. But the kids loved him and he loved the kids. And it was funny because in the beginning of the movie, he talks about how dancing is for dumb for stupid people. Yeah. Uh, but then when it comes to the kids, like he's dancing it up at the end of the movie. Um, mm -hmm. and they say that he has to stay on the planet to help manage these kids. And it was funny because my, my sister's a social worker. I haven't mentioned this, but my sister's a social worker. So she was like, What are they gonna do with all these kids? Like they just rescued a hundred thousand kids off this ship like who's gonna raise these kids and then they bring Drax is like we need you to to help with the kids like help help manage these kids and whatnot so that was cool to see Drax kind of take on like you said take on that role as a father figure and like 
I mean, basically, he's gonna be the social worker all nowhere. So, <laughs> um, so uh, my my question that I wanted to pose to you: uh, We have three big wrestling uh, actors, well, wrestlers turned actors: okay. The Rock, John Cena, and Batista. It, it's been something that I get into arguments with my homeboys because one of them is a big Rock fan. I'm John Cena biased. And like you know, Batista has just been in in a lot of things. Like beyond Guardians, he's also uh, was in the Zack Snyder zombie movie. Um, he was also in the Cabin in the Woods movie just recently. Uh, I can't remember if he was in something else, but he he's been trying to get out of just being in in one role. Right. So he's in Blade Runner, I think. Yeah, and also Dune. If no, was he in Dune or that was just Jason yeah, he Momoa? Was he was in Dune. Oh, okay, okay. So um, in the Jason Momoa show C as well in uh, eight eight episodes. Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for that. Oh, Glass so, Onion, Glass Onion. Damn it, I forgot about that too. So okay, since we have these big three wrestling uh, turned actors. Who are who is your top? Well, in in order one through three, who do you think is the best? I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> I think they each have. I, I I enjoy. I can watch all of them. I think mm-hmm. I can. I can't say The Rock is a good actor, right? Like, as far as we're talking skill for skill, I, I would say The Rock is not a good actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. the Rock is The Rock, pretty much. Right. Um, which a lot of actors are, and I don't not in, I I don't I'm not bothered. A lot of people are annoyed by him. I'm not like I can enjoy like especially like Jumanji for example. Love Jumanji. Um, I thought he was good in Jumanji. That's probably that might be his best like acting that he's done really because he's being a kid with uh, muscles all of a sudden. Um, I would say I would probably I don't even know if I could put Bautista at the top because I don't know mm-hmm. if I've really paid attention to his his acting enough and I don't really know his real personality enough. Right. Um, I enjoy John Cena as well in his roles. Uh, I think he's hilarious. Um, Peacemaker was surprising to me. Like I, I was surprised that he could carry a show in that way. Uh, what's it? Vacation Friends. Funny as fuck. Like I love that movie. There's going to be a Vacation Friends 2. I don't know if you saw that. No, nah, I didn't. There's going to be a Vacation Friends 2. Lil Rail lost a bunch of weight. So <laughs> they, they put the poster out. So that clearly people like that movie. I think I, I can enjoy all of them. I will say with The Rock, I know what to expect. Um, I know he's going to be over the top. I know he thinks he's funnier than he may be sometimes. Um, I know that his character is probably not going to be in any peril. <laughs> at any point his character has to be unstoppable in everything he does um and then with uh with john cena i think he's kind of i don't know i've only seen him in a few roles and each time he surprised me um batista i would i want to see a little bit more i think he's wants to do more and so i i would be glad to see him i think he has the most potential as far as branching out so if i had to drink them with that said i would say batista <laughs> i'm gonna put the rocket two for right now i'm gonna put john cena at three just because a body of work isn't there yet 
you gotta you gotta give me the body of work. But I think he could pass the rock as far as ability soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he needs more more uh, more weight under his belt. He's kind of like uh, John Morant for me right now. Like yeah. I can see, you know, I can see it. Or Luca, Luca might be a better one. I can see that he got it, but he gotta go. He gotta go do it. Right. That makes sense. So. It, it makes perfect sense and like for me just watching this movie and i'm not trying to be uh caught in the moment but <laughs> like uh we just mentioned a lot of these guys uh work their their production and like glass onion uh, i remember enjoying bautista's character mm-hmm. and like again just man I I've been John Cena biased, and I've said John Cena is the better actor out of the three. But seeing seeing this movie, I I had to put Bautista at one if I'm ranking it, and I, I'm gonna be biased here and I'm put John Cena too because uh, I I just like to see actors like i understand why actors don't want to be tied into some of these roles because it's like well you can't view me in any other way and i feel like the rock suffers from that because he wants to be over the top he doesn't want to be the person who gets hit and that's it He, he wants to be always coming out on top and with john cena i felt like in the peacemaker he was fine with being whatever james gunn wanted him to be for peacemaker let me go back you're right i think i am going to slide john cena above the rock slightly um so the, the suicide squad mm-hmm. uh, playing off of idris elba's character was it idris elba yes sir yeah playing off of idris elba's character i loved i loved the the rapport they had and then seeing him step into his own in the show I think showed his versatility and like you said, his willingness to be a team player, um, which is important as far as the roles you can take. I would say the, the rock is Russell Westbrook. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's going to go hard every time. Yeah. He ain't got no rings at the end of the day. (laughs) And his game ain't changed. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what he is. He's going to do what he does. And it is what you could, I can, I can appreciate it, but like, I'm not expecting him to take home the ring at the end of the day. Right. Play. And like just seeing black Adam, like, uh, again, we, we mentioned with James Gunn, what he's been able to do with these characters makes you buy into them. Like they could be irrelevant. And when you take a name like black Adam, who has some type of relevancy, like people been anticipating him to play that part and when he did and he just didn't really deliver like you didn't really feel like connected to the black adam character it's just right. like all right bro i'm i'm good on this yeah. like you had an opportunity to do something really special and you rocked it up <laughs> like, <laughs> put too much rock in it so yeah uh, so uh, was there any performance uh that that stood out to you so we talked about the villain already. Um, I would definitely say that was a standout performance. I'm seeing a lot of people saying uh, one thing I did see that seemed interesting as an idea to me was people saying that if Marvel ends up getting rid of Jonathan Majors, 
they can pretend that the high evolutionary was a king variant and let Iwuji step into that role, which I could definitely see. He wasn't a guy that was on my radar to, to do that, but people are reacting positively. That would be an easy transition, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It would suck on a lot of different levels because I think they have a lot of stuff already filmed in the pipeline. And I don't know his recording schedule. I can check to see if he has any things listed that's coming up. He has one upcoming project, uh, Cinema Fantastique. Don't know what the hell that is. And Peacemaker 2, do they have that on there? I mean, he, spoiler alert, he died in the first one, so I don't think he's coming back. (laughs) Well, he was an alien. (laughs) I mean, he was in the jar last time, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't imagine they would bring him back in Peacemaker too. But right. see, I will say with that established, um, he's in a show called The Split. Mm. I, I I feel like his schedule is open. That's all I'm saying. Right. Looks like he's, his schedule is he is not booked and busy, from what I can tell here. His schedule should be open. So something to keep an eye on. Um, I wouldn't be mad at it at all. Personally, uh, Jonathan Majors was my guy, but when you fucked up, you you deserve to lose the benefits that come with being a top top dog. So, right, it is what it is. Finally, if you're here, you also probably like television. And you may be looking at different options for cutting the cord. And one of those options is Philo. Philo offers 70 plus top rated television channels, including MTV, BET, AMC, A&E, Discovery, VH1, Food Network, Nickelodeon, OWN, History, TLC, Lifetime, Hallmark, Paramount, TV1, and more. All for just $25 per month. Philo also offers premium add-on channels, including MGM Plus and Stars. Philo has live TV, unlimited DVR. That's right. Not all these places have it, but Philo has unlimited DVR on demand and content from top programmers are available on your web browsers. iOS, iPad, Fire TV, Roku, and Chromecast functionality on Android mobile devices this is excluding first-generation Chromecast devices. And Follow's on-demand library features 75,000 movies, shows, and specials. Follow offers a seven-day free trial for new users, so you can sign up today, again, at the link in the show notes or at the link on the bibscorner.com website on the Support Your Show tab. You can click the link in the show notes there are two actually the first one gets you straight to signing up if you don't have any further questions if i've broken it down for you well enough the second one will take you to a page that does have more details if you want to read a little bit more all right let's get back to the content i wanted to talk about the action scenes um particularly do you have one that that stood out for you as a great one i'll tell you mine it's kind of a hallway scene type thing where they open the the thing and there's a bunch of people waiting for them 
and they slide through and everybody gets their moves off. Basically, it was very violent. As you mentioned, heads were ripped off. Body parts were torn apart. Group goes inside the dude and branches out inside. The, like they was they were messing them up. Uh, I, I don't I'm not a I'm not a, I was not a wrestling fan after like 2001 or two. Does Batista do his move in, on one of these dudes in, in that scene? Like, I was not paying attention. Uh, and and uh, I'll, I'll let you finish and I'll tell you why. What is his move? Uh, it's the Batista bomb. It's basically <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> you about to do it to the phone? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Nah, because I, I, I was trying to lift up my arms like okay. you would. Yeah. <laughs> and I just flip my damn phone. <laughs> yeah, we kinda we kinda need the phone stationary for you to pull this off. Right. But he, he just basically lifts them up and just just throws the bodies uh on on the mat and like yeah. it's just really hard and yeah. that's pretty much the Batista bomb. Okay. Uh, but like I, I the lead up is he definitely did it. <laughs> okay. And it was because uh, I, I particularly recall him lifting a dude up and slamming mm-hmm. him. And I was like, that was so random. That has to be like the Batista bomb. Like I knew <laughs> what the name of the move was. I just didn't know what it looked like. I was like, that had to be a Batista what, bomb. Was the legs like right here, kind of? On his shoulders? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if he lifted him onto his shoulders, but I do remember he like he definitely picked him up and like slammed him yeah. hard on the on the ground. Okay. I, I wasn't paying attention. Okay. And <laughs> and the reason why is because I I'm a big fan of like the the soundtrack. I'm I'm okay. a big fan of music being incorporated in movies. Like the scene and the music go hand in hand. Right. Like, it, and when they opened up with Beastie Boys, I was just nodding my head the entire <laughs> time. I was just like <laughs> Like I, I was so into the shit. I was just like, "Let's go!" <laughs> like, so, so parts of this scene I had missed just on the simple fact that I was just, I was just nodding, bro. Like the bass was bumping. I was, I was. This is my favorite moment of the movie. Just this part right here. <laughs> I could imagine that was not James Gunn's plan, but at the same time, he's big on the music, so maybe he wouldn't be too mad about that. Right. And uh, funny that that you said that um, I just got off of Twitter before uh, you and me had started recording. And I seen a James Gunn tweet where he said uh, somebody had asked him, like, um, are you mad that any of the songs that you wanted to be in the movie got cut out? And he, I read like halfway and he's like, basically like everything that I wanted to get into this movie, like music wise got in. So, yeah, he definitely uh, did his thing with the needle drops. There was one, the one that, that rocket plays near the end uh, for the two thousands. I, I don't know. That's damn song. Like that's not it's me. Neither. That's not, it did not <laughs> that was, I, yeah. My sister was like, my sister was waiting for uh cash money take it over. <laughs> I was like, that would be some craziest. Like <laughs> if, if they brought oh. the juvie out, that would have been wild. Um, right. And, and we since we're on the topic of music, we, we can't forget and um in one of the uh post credit scenes, they they make a recall to the first Guardians of the Galaxy with the song that Peter Quill walked in uh with 
I, I can't remember <laughs> the song per se, but um, when yeah, Rocket played, yeah, yeah, when it's all, I, I was just like, man, th- this has all the feels. Like they they completely nailed it, you know, like, hit it did, out of the park. Yeah, they did. Um, in the post credits, as you mentioned, they had like photos of like the entire history of guardians basically including the christmas special um did you watch the christmas special yeah i did okay. I, I loved it <laughs> yeah i told my sister like i sent her like a five minute video to kind of sums up the important parts she didn't watch it so i just explained <laughs> it to her um so she wasn't confused when mantis says when he when peter says just because you're my sister to mantis mm-hmm. all casually it was like people that didn't watch the christmas special are gonna be like what the hell uh right <laughs> when did they get and- <laughs> Speaking of the Christmas special, uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but in the newspaper that uh, Peter Quill's grandfather was reading on the back, it says uh, alien invasion. Kevin <laughs> uh, got got abducted by some aliens. And I was just like, oh, I remember that. That's from the Christmas special. Did not see it. I, I try to pay attention to that type of stuff, but that's like something where if I was watching it at home, I'd be able to pause it and double check. But I, I definitely missed it. Um, but that's funny. Did you have a favorite fight scene, or would you say it was that one? That well, it, it was that was one, one just I because of the reasons, right? And <laughs> like, like I said, man, music is, is so essential. Like for for, for me, when as a mu- movie viewer, it, it's just like if you play the right song and you play it at the right tempo, it's going to have a lasting effect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of my memories are tied to music. And yeah. Did you uh did you like Baby Driver? Random question. Uh the one with Adam Driver, Kevin no. Spacey. No. Baby Driver. Whoop. No, I haven't seen it. Ansel Egor. I haven't seen it. That movie is basically literally about music being <laughs> important to like the dude is a getaway driver. And like mm-hmm. he refuses to drive unless he has the right song on. Like <laughs> so, like all the chase scenes are intense with the rights with the music blasting and that type of stuff. He's like dancing okay. while he's doing it, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh definitely add that to your to your list as well with the faculty. Kind of like uh Queen Latifah and set it off where she was like, I can't pull off of this. <laughs> like she started getting <laughs> all the CDs and throwing them out the window. <laughs> Fortunately, he did have a digital, I think he had the I, the old iPhone or iPod or something like that in Baby Driver. But yeah, it was similar, similar situation. <laughs> um, let's get to the end. Um, at the end, after they they dispatched the uh the high evolutionary um and now we gotta figure out where we're going with this guardian stuff right like james is gone is the team done like how are they gonna do it and ends up being mantis that decides like hey i gotta go do my own thing like you know i started out i was doing whatever ego said then i joined the guardians i was doing whatever peter said i gotta go figure out who i am um I don't know if they mentioned that Mantis is going to be doing anything in the future, but there's a potential that we don't see her again. Uh, which right. interesting. Uh, I actually found this a little bit spontaneous because I thought Peter Quill was going to die, like, you know, going into outer space, trying to save the, uh, the zoom. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Adam Warlock basically save him, And then, uh, all of a sudden, 
they they celebrate. Then you get the the scene where Gamora is about to uh, get on the ship, and they have that whole little interaction. And then Peter Quill suddenly stops and is like, "We need to talk." That, that felt so spontaneous. I, I was just like, "Oh, yeah." Man, it pro- That's what I was gonna say. Pro- that kind of felt like, "Hey, we gotta wrap this up." That's pretty much right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it probably would have been a better wrap-up if Peter Quill had, you know, died right then and there before Adam Warlock had saved him. Because I I just felt like, you know, this would be the death that everybody wanted. Well, not everybody wanted, (laughs) sorry. But at least that people were anticipating for because they they know that this is about to be uh, the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. They know that uh, James Gunn is leaving. So, what fitting way would it go out if Peter Quill goes ahead and just dies right here? And this, if they had space. killed him right there, that would have blew the whole mood of the movie. Because, <laughs> like, my theater was like, I know, like, my theater was hurt. My theater was like, oh my god, like they really about to let Peter die chasing this music. And then it felt like the perfect way for him to die, like you said, because his music was like everything to him in the beginning um and you see his face like get bloated it's like oh he did dead like they <laughs> they didn't just let him die peacefully like they killing him like in our face right. like this that was and adam warlock has his little moment and it makes you think like oh is he gonna join the team now like, is that what's what's happening um but you kind of don't sure get enough he does <laughs> you hope he does or no i i said sure enough he does like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but but the the ending to me uh, <laughs> signified well the the movie in general uh, is just about like recovering from from your traumas like growing as an individual and accepting where you are and considering that it was a trilogy and everybody well not everybody but damn near mostly everybody is gone that that matters like james and uh you're you're just like wow like you couldn't have wrapped this up better because like i said you you have all the roller coaster of emotions you start healing from your trauma and then you start embracing a new life and that shit is beautiful when when you just think about that yeah yeah i think um everybody Everybody, including Drax, everybody gets kind of a full circle in this scenario. Mm-hmm. I think Nebula was still recovering from what she had been through, and she always had this woe is me kind of feel to her. But then she sees what Rocket's been through, and she's like, well, shit, you know, like I've been over here acting like, you know, I just had the worst life, and I see like what was happened, what happened to the Rocket, and I'm like, you know what, maybe I should stop acting like you know, I'm, I got it worse out here. Like other people have had worse scenarios. Other, I mean, some people didn't, aren't here to, to enjoy this thing. So I, I should probably relax a little bit. So she kind of tones herself down. Um, <clears throat> we mentioned Drax, you know, he lost his family. Now he gets to like be a father figure to all these kids and, and impact their lives positively. Um, Rocket, we know has now gotten to vanquish and he, he got to show mercy, I would say to the person that, pretty much made him how he is and ruined killed his friends 
and was the source of pain in his life, basically. Um, and then finally, we see Peter, who has not been on Earth. He's been on Earth, but hasn't taken the time to go back to his family since his mom died and he got abducted as a kid. Um, dope to see him reconnect with his his grandfather. And like, I would say that was another scene that kind of got me a little bit uh, when his grandfather like realizes that this is his his grandson that he hasn't seen in like 40 years almost. Yeah. Um, and then the, the granddad and then he's down with the swirl. Like that was funny <laughs> to me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I went. <laughs> uh, oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. If what you want to say about it. Uh, I, I was just about to ask you, what do you think about like how Rocky and the Guardians took down the, the high evolutionary? Uh, because like you mentioned, he does spare him, uh, but ultimately he's going to die anyways. Right. Um, he ends up dying. Floating. Rocket didn't need to put the dude to like finish and blow. Yeah. And that just puts more emphasis. And, and even Drax was like, why aren't you killing him? He's like, cause I'm the freaking guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> and, and then uh, he's like, all right, we need to go. But that, that transition, like, when they're finally saying their goodbyes or, you know, establishing what they're about to do, it doesn't feel forced that Rocket is about to take up the mantle. And right. that's, I, I love how they did that because you're at everybody going into the movies, like, is somebody going to die? Who's going to do this? What are they going to do? And then you just see that Rocket is greatly established. Again, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, like some scenes could have been cut out, but overall, the movie is damn near perfect. Yeah, I think that, uh, like you said, you didn't have to kill somebody to complete a story arc. Um, it's funny because I was reading like the the notes about the gladiator, um, <clears throat> and originally the Russell Crowe character wasn't going to die in the movie. And Russell Crowe was like, you know, he's completed everything that he needed to do. Like, why? What does he have to live for? So that that's why they ended up killing the character. But in this movie, you didn't need to kill the character. Like, they needed to shed their baggage, basically. And so right. Rocket sheds his baggage, and now he can step into, like you said, that that leadership position, taking over the Guardians while everybody else kind of finishes their their stories. And of course. As with every Marvel movie now, you got to get a kid with some powers on the team. They just casually, that's that was my biggest thing was like they casually dropped this kid onto the Guardians without telling us anything about them or why they have abilities. How, did you catch that or did you have any thoughts about that? I did catch it. And it just goes to show that at that point, James Gunn was like, hey, y'all got it. <laughs> I, I did enough. Like, <laughs> Uh, whatever y'all are about to do, I'll go ahead and put that at the very, very end. But everything else, I got complete control over. I'm gonna so, see, let's see if I go can, ahead. I'm going to see if I can find the little girl to figure out who the hell her character is. You can keep talking. All right. So. Yeah, I, I felt like that was just a little bit random. I, I didn't know who it was. 
I didn't even know her name and to see that she was a, a child being asked like well who's your favorite like rock bands and stuff like that and I know Peter had a, a playlist but like how how diverse was his playlist <laughs> I will say <laughs> exactly like where was the where was the hip hop <laughs> right <laughs> cause you um, telling me there ain't no purple rain in there telling me there ain't no Wu-Tang in there in the 90s <laughs> that's what I really expected a transition in, in the 90s at, at the bare minimum that's right. a golden age right there how, how can you not play any hip-hop besides Beastie Boys. <laughs> so I think I know who this little girl is supposed to be. Wait a minute. But the character... <sighs> if y'all could see Bibbs right now, he's staring hard at the screen right now he's trying to figure it out and give character us an I'm looking at, I only see adult versions of and I'm very confused well Isn't they probably went young because she's probably going to be in that role for 10 years <laughs> but like she was a child child you know what I'm saying You're right it's a character named Phyla Vell I'm, I'm, could that be her? I gotta go through this cast list. I, I hate that I'm doing this live right now, but some things you gotta do for the love of the game. Right. Um, Hoopto? That can't be it. Adam Warlock. Warpig, Ming Fring. I'm gonna find this 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 child. I promise. Oh, I, <clears throat> I really like the dynamic between Cosmos and uh, James Gunn's brother, <laughs> Sean, Sean Gunn, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. I, I like their little dynamic when he's just like, you're, you're a bad dog. And she's like, hey, don't say that. I'm not a bad dog. <laughs> I, I, I found <laughs> that so damn cute because I, I wonder, like, there's times where I'm like, does my dog understand what the hell I'm saying? Like, yeah, how, is, how, how will she feel if I say she's a bad dog? So I like that little inter interaction. They had uh the the duck. I can't remember his name, but they had the duck at the poker table. Uh, that was cool. Seeing uh Cosmos Howard the duck. Being, yeah, Howard the duck. Appreciate you. Uh, but just seeing Cosmos' power being uh extended, and then also Max is helping her. Um keep her power steady for that time being as everybody's coming about i thought it was it was beautiful that rocket was just like no we gotta say that the other was too and peter like right. others <laughs> and then it's just a whole group of of animals who were just about to be experimented on by the the higher evolutionary like man there's so oh. so many good things from this movie you mentioned you mentioned uh, the animals and they always they, they were talking about how uh, how they were trying to save all the higher life forms. And so they save all the humanoid characters initially. And, you know, Rocket, having always said, I'm not a raccoon, 
uh, throughout all the movies. And then he goes to the cage with the baby raccoons and he reads all the information about them. And at the bottom, it says other, otherwise known as raccoons. And he was like, oh, <laughs> he was like, I guess I am a raccoon. And then he, at the end, he has the moment where he says, cause I'm rocket raccoon. Um, yep. He's never referred to himself that way. Um, that was a cool moment. And then the fact that the high evolutionary was so dismissive of all these beings, like, their their humanity their sent like them being creatures that matter he just like all right fuck them kill them all and the fact that the our, our main characters are about to get off the ship and not even thinking about saving the animals and rocket was like nah we gotta save the animals too um and then you just have like a noah's ark situation occurring and it's like all right nowhere ain't but so big at the end of the day yeah. like, we got all <laughs> these kids now we got all these animals running around like what are we doing um, but uh, I, I thought it was an interesting scene, an interesting choice, and to see Rocket identify with the animals for the first time in his life was funny. Yeah, and uh, just having the little two baby raccoons next to him too uh, on the closing scene where they're about to start dancing and everything. Uh, he he really bought into the leader role immediately because he was with the two little baby raccoons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see. All right, I got two options. I believe the character is the Phyla character or Phyla Vell. I'm trying to see. Okay, yep. Phyla Vell appears in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, portrayed by Kai Zen. Um, this is the name of the actress. Uh, this version is a youngling initially held captive by the high, high evolutionary before she is freed by the Guardians of the Galaxy, which she later joins. So Philavel is the character. Um, she looks dope, all the pictures I see. But again, she uh, she's a, a small, she's a adult in every version I've seen of her. So it's interesting that Marvel's going the, the route of making her a very young child. Um, very interesting, but anyway, glad I cleared that up because the, like they introduced <laughs> this character with abilities. I'm like, y'all gonna tell me who who this is or nah? And so whatever, we we got it. Filavel is the character, and uh, uh, based on what I've seen, I would imagine we're gonna see that child again at some point. Yeah, and Any final uh, oh, before we get out of here, one scene. That stuck with you in this movie, or one scene is going to stick with you. That if you had to tell people one scene that 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 was either funny or uh, dramatic, I, if we've already touched on it, you can just refer back to it. But if it's one we haven't touched on, got to bring one. And if you need a moment, I can give you mine. Uh, well, just uh, the scene of Baby right, uh, Rocket just having the ball head, the stitching, and and uttering her that that's probably gonna stick with okay. me for a minute what about you uh i gotta go funny because there was a lot of dramatic stuff a lot of action but the funny i think i don't know if this is the funniest moment but it, it it when it happened i was like all right i'm i'm mentioning this on the podcast when they land on the planet for the high evolutionary uh with all the creatures walking around and they come off the ship and they're introducing themselves to the characters 
and they they obviously don't speak the language and they're trying to let them know you know we come in peace like we don't mean any harm and the little girl like kicks the ball over to drags and i was like ah shit like (laughs) this is not about to go well at all (laughs) and he kicks the ball so hard and i don't know i'm sure you have recess as a kid and you play with those balls and you play kickball We went so far into this, this episode. <laughs> We're gonna keep it rolling. <laughs> the balls with the sproying that that bounce back pause. Um, when you kick them, they make that sound. And when he kicked the ball, the ball and it hit the ch- <laughs> it hit the child and like knocked her back. And you hear that ping, like the the, the sound that the ball makes when you kick it in kickball. I was gone. Like, I was dead. Like, I knew he was about to, like, hit, hurt the child or hit the child, but the sound that the ball makes, like, it, it unlocked, it, like, had it hit a core memory. It brought a core memory of being on recess in that ball, like, playing dodgeball with those balls. And um, I, I was dead. Like, I was rolling in the theater. Yeah. Like, <laughs> One of my uh, funny scenes, though, was just Drax constantly trying to lay down on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he have some design flaws? It has more than one purpose. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts leading, and he got his eyes closed, and Peter Quinn's like, I can see you. And he's just <laughs> he like, like leading slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was that was definitely a funny scene. It was like one of those scenes where I wasn't expecting it to continue to be funny, but it, it continued to be funny. Um, and it makes you think like when you go over somebody's house, you're not supposed to lay on the couch like that. But on your own couch, you would lay like that. Yeah. Now with your feet on the pillow. Like that was wild. But <laughs> other than that, like you lay on your own couch. Uh, so that was just a funny scene. Good stuff. Uh, I think we've been on here long enough. My my goal is always to keep the review shorter than the movie, which I think we accomplished. Uh, I don't think I don't even know how long the movie is, to be honest. <clears throat> Any final thoughts that you needed to get off your chest or you're going to be mad at yourself later? Um, Just to kind of reiterate, if you're looking for a movie that has all the emotions, all the roller coasters, this is definitely one you should watch. And, like, for me, uh, I'm on a path right now of, of just, like, kind of personal right here. But uh, I'm, a, I'm going through therapy. So to see a movie have, like, some of those lingering issues and seeing it come to um, an end and showing a closing chapter but also giving you something to look forward to. Uh, it's, it's kind of a process for me as an individual. It's like, yeah, I got some of this shit. I need to heal too. Like, so yeah. th- this movie resonates with me in way more ways than one. Like, just with the animal cruelty, with uh, trauma, with with trying to find peace at the end of the day. I well think, done. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably James Gunn's biggest strength, if I had to say. And I don't know, I can't talk about his early career, but between the Guardians movies and even like Peacemaker and uh, <clears throat> the uh, Suicide Squad, 
he always finds a way to to tap into something very human even even with these weird characters like tap into something very human that that's very real like i mentioned in the previous movie he talked about like it was about fatherhood and you know yondu being the father that stepped up and ego being a shitty (laughs) regular father like the father that he didn't have in his life that he thought he wanted and then realizing no your dad was a piece of shit um and having having to reconcile with that like i can tell you i know people that that brought up some stuff like damn like yeah like i can relate to to having a shitty father or (laughs) you know i've been kind of rough to my stepfather maybe i should respect him for for taking on that role type of thing um, so yeah, 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 yeah. I think that James Gunn is good at that. Um, I'm, this is again, part of why I'm excited to see what he does with DC, because this is what comic books is about. Like, this is why people are 50, 60 years old and care about these characters because it probably came to them at a point in their life where they needed some of these stories, um, whether, whatever the relatability of it may be. So, uh, not to end on a heavy note, but I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, again, you can find Rolo on Twitter. Not Rolo, fuck. I was reading. Wow. Wow, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying. So I was going to say you could catch Jose with Rolo and Jazz on 77 Spaces. Uh, Are you guys doing it weekly? Uh, We're we're aiming for once a week, uh, just like we did last off season. And we're aiming to have uh, guests, some interviews here or there, and then, you know, try to figure out what else we could work around with, with uh, Mavs offseason. I'm pretty sure, like, damn near every day there's something to talk about, just whether it's uh, happy to to have Luca on the team or to just be like, oh, shit, it, this, this is probably going to end rough <laughs> for us. No comment. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we're always constantly talking about team building and Mark should hire us. But at this point, I don't know if I want to work under Mark Cuban. Uh, but yeah, definitely catch us on 77 Spaces on Twitter. Uh, me, Jazz, and Rollo. My name is Jose Mata at ParadoxKiller23. Uh, look forward to having y'all in the space. And definitely Bibbs and Reese when we can get y'all back. Uh, I would love to have y'all back on. Y'all were great the last time. The two times that y'all have, well, Reese been on the show twice, but just having y'all and having us, that that's a dynamic, uh, what, five? <laughs> that Like, that shit was so good last time. Yeah. Back to you, no <laughs> Say what? Back to you, bitch. <laughs> no, I uh, definitely had some fun. I'll definitely be willing. Just let me know. Um, <clears throat> and I'll pop through. We'll probably have y'all come on at some point as well, uh, whenever it makes sense. Uh, that's enough. Guardians 3 done. Uh, I, I'm dropping like multiple reviews at once. So feed will be busy. And I'm trying to do more like smaller pieces of content because I got to get the, I got to get some some. I got to get some new people in, some new listeners. And I got to find ways to do that by doing some different things. So I uh, appreciate y'all. If you listen all the way through, leave me a five-star review. Don't mind if you do. That's Spotify or Apple. Uh, if you write some words on it, that will helps even more <clears throat> with the algorithm. But until next time, peace. Peace.